Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five. Welcome one, welcome all to Fizz 5, the first weekly podcast of Orange Fizz. It's Jaron May, it's Matt Bonaparte. Bones, how you feeling, dude? I'm so excited for this. I'm pumped, Jaron, and I'm glad that you're pumped as well. I'm, I got a good feeling about Fizz 5. I mean, this is going to be fantastic. So if you're new to the program, everyone's new. We're new. You're new. It's awesome. But Fizz 5 is Orange Fizz's new weekly podcast. We're going to be highlighting the five biggest stories, headlines, breaking news, whatever it is, the five biggest stories across the Syracuse sports hemisphere, not just in basketball, not just in football, not just in lacrosse, we're doing everything. We could go into diving, we could go into track, we could do whatever you want. Syracuse doesn't even have a diving team, but we might do that. It's Jaron, it's Bones, we're going to dive right into things because this is a brand new weekly podcast that is replacing the Fizz Radio that we used to do. Bones, I'm pumped. We're going to start with number five, and how about this? We're starting on the ice. Syracuse women's ice hockey winning the CHA How about that? I mean, a fantastic story. A team that won the regular season for the first time in program history. Then they make it to the conference uh, conference tournament time, and they win it all. I mean, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And they had to get through a tough RIT squad who, despite being 122 coming (laughs) into the tournament, were fierce rivals. They took them right down to the wire, but Syracuse still pulled it out, and they win it in in the final game on an overtime victory. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Syracuse with another dub. They won it back in 2019 as well. So for these players, a lot of the seniors have won it twice now. Big stuff. Abby Malotny was the hero of that tournament. She had a hat trick, all three of Syracuse's goals in the semifinals against RIT. She also had one goal in the championship game against Mercyhurst. They were back-to-back overtime games. Syracuse won both of them. 3-2, to two, your final score in both. Uh, the Orange coming out with a CHA title. That gives them an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And this is a team that you've seen over the past couple of years, Bones, uh, just grow and grow and grow. And Paul Flanagan has been doing a fantastic job. This team has only been around for 14 years. I mean, the program started less than two decades ago, and he just continues to build up this program, bring in great recruits, and they are performing to a point where you're really proud to say, hey, Syracuse women's ice hockey, I, I, I think it's one of the best teams on campus. And Flanagan wins another Coach of the Year, deservingly so. He's got a really good roster, but you can't win without a great coach, and Flanagan has been there for quite some time now. He deserves this victory, and so does the team. So you got to be happy for him uh, on a day like this, where now they're going to that NCAA tournament, and they could probably do some damage, but probably still a little bit of an underdog. Now, a lot of people don't know about this story, but you should learn about this women's ice hockey team. They deserve all the recognition. They deserve the coverage. They deserve everything that they are getting right now because they won the regular season in the CHA. They won the tournament in the CHA. Now they have a really good shot to go on to the NCAA tournament and prove some doubters wrong, win a couple games. Heck, they might make it to the Final Four. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say that. I, wow. I think that this team 
can make the Final Four, uh, women's ice hockey on the hill is doing absolutely fantastic. This is Fizz 5 with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte, our brand new weekly podcast right here on Orange Fizz. You can find it on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz or going on our website, orangefizz.net. We're doing the five biggest headlines in Syracuse sports this week, and we move on to a headline that just broke on Thursday. Benny Williams, number four. Benny Williams is out for the remainder of the season. Now, of course, the season is pretty much done for Syracuse men's basketball. Only a couple games. It's not like they're making the NCAA tournament. They probably won't even make the NIT. But Benny Williams is done for the remainder of the season with a lower body injury. Bones, your thoughts? Well, you might be thinking it doesn't really matter. The season's almost over. They have one game left in the ACC tournament, so who really cares? But if Syracuse wants a chance to go at all deep in the ACC tournament or keep Jim Beheim's streak of above 500 seasons alive, this is going to mean a lot because if you don't have Simeon Torrance going into this tournament either, that means you lose Torrance, Benny Williams, and Jesse Edwards. They're all out. So who the heck's going to come off the bench? You got Chaz Owens and Patty Casey and John Bolajac. That's all you got. That's all you got. So I don't know what Syracuse is going to do. The starters are going to have to play more than they already have been, which seems kind of unfathomable at this point, but it's going to have to be true. Yeah, I I think it's fantastic. It's fascinating, right? Because like you said, you have your starting five, which you've already lost one of your starters. Now Frank Anselm has been inserted into the starting lineup. After that, you have Barama Sidibe. And who? I I mean, if Samir Torrance is out, it's, it's... Barama and John Bolajac? Like, who's your guard? Who's your athletic guy? Patty! That... It's Patty Casey. Dude, that's horrible. Patty Casey is who you are, you know, hitching your wagon to? Uh, in, My in wagon's probably, hitched. In probably the worst time of the year. And of course, Benny, I mean, he's averaging two points, uh, one and a half rebounds. It's not like he's putting up crazy numbers. But with a depleted roster... Obviously, with a tight rotation that Jim Beheim likes to run, without Benny Williams, you're kind of handcuffed. I mean, your hands are tied behind your back, and there's nothing you can do about it just because of health reasons. You're going to have to play Barama Sidibe and John Bolajak, two forward slash centers, and you don't have any backup guards. I mean, if, if Joe Girard starts to stink it up, you can't pull him out. And you know that there's a high probability that, yeah, it's probably only going to be two, maybe three games remaining. But you know that Joe is probably going to have an off game in one of them because he has them every other game. And without him, who do you go to? You pull him out. Are you sliding Cole Swider up to the two, like top of the key? Like, I I don't understand how this team is going to make it for the next two to three games. I think we might have a Braden Bayer situation. Braden Bayer, of course, had to come play a big game for Syracuse when their guards were out a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. Braden Bayer had not played all year long, and then he had to play in a big spot. Maybe if Joe Girard can't play, or he's, he's like you said, Jaron, stinking it up. Maybe Patty <laughs> Casey has to come in and save the day. That's crazy. I can't believe. I did not think going into this year... I was a, I still am. I'm a huge Patty Casey fan. I think all of us are, right? Uh, it's awesome. However, if you're putting him in during crucial minutes, I mean, go to the CBI at this point. Like, don't even try anymore. Uh, this team is, this team is crazy. Uh, so number four on Fizz Five is Benny Williams out for the season due to a lower body injury. We don't know specifically what that injury is. 
He did play in 29 of the 30 games, averaged two points, one and a half rebounds. Benny, not the biggest impact player, but he is done for the season, and that does change Syracuse uh, just from a, a depth standpoint. So that's number four here on Fizz 5. Again, it's Jaron May. It's Matt Bonaparte. Uh, Bones, let's go over to number three. Our number three headline of the week is the men's lacrosse team struggling. Now, they blew out Holy Cross in the opener a couple weeks ago. Then they go down to number one Maryland. They lose. They go down to number two Virginia. They lose. They play number 13 Army West Point. They lose. They didn't score in the final period of that game. Fourth quarter, they're uh, heading into the fourth quarter. They're up 13 to 12. In the fourth quarter, Army wins it 5 0 and eventually pulls out a 17 13 victory over the Orange. Uh, obviously, this team has a lot of question marks. Obviously, they are in a rebuilding year. You lose a lot of talent from last year. You lose John Desco, a Hall of Fame coach. You bring in Gary Gate, who obviously is the right guy for the job, but you also have to give them some time to grow with him. I just didn't expect them to be losing to Army. I mean, Army's a good team, but you should be beating those type of teams. I don't know. Army and Syracuse have gone back and forth uh, over the past few years, a great rivalry there. Uh, I think both of them are really, really solid teams. Joel Barici over at Army is an incredible college lacrosse coach, but Syracuse put itself in a tough position, Jaron. I mean, of the first four games, only one of them was a cupcake. So they go and they beat Holy Cross 28-5, to and then they have three really tough games ahead where you have the defending national champion and then the defending runner-up and then Army. So you have three fantastic teams that are you're going to have to face. And of course they lost a couple of those games. They happen to lose all three of them. But I don't think that it was a realistic expectation that Syracuse was going to go out there and, and win like two or three of those games. I mean, there was just no way that was going to happen. Syracuse has talent on the roster and arguably one of the best coaching staffs in the country now with Gate Petromala. But they still don't have the roster for it. Owen Hiltz is still injured. They don't really have a great goalie, and the defense is kind of nowhere to be found. So uh, I mean, Bobby it, Gavin's pretty darn good. He's fine. He's, he's solid, but he's new. So it, it's all still coming together. Uh, and I think next year they're going to be a really solid squad, but it's going to take a lot this season to mesh together and gel and get to a point where they're a really solid squad. So they also need you, Owen Hiltz back. Did you expect this team to go, you know, one and three through the yeah, first I did. four games? Absolutely, I did. You you were like preseason, you were like, ah, they're going to go one and three? I mean, when you look at that schedule, I don't know how you couldn't believe that. I mean, Syracuse is coming off a really, really bad year. Uh, you and I watched them lose to Georgetown in the NCAA yeah. tournament at Maryland Stadium. That was one of the worst lacrosse games I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> sure, they have a coaching switch and they have new players come in and some players leave, but... Yeah, they're gonna. It's, they need a real rebuilding year. It's just you can't just get good after one year. If you go onto our website orangefizz.net, there's a article out there titled "Crystal Balling Syracuse's 2022 Lax Season." John Eads, one of our staff writers, wrote this. Uh, he predicted them to go one and three to start this season. So I guess you and John Eads are agreeing in that. He also That's has. My guy. He also has a loss to Hobart coming up. Uh, your Ooh. thoughts on that one? I, I mean, I just disagree with that. That'll be a backbreaker if it's true, the Cross-Simmons Trophy. I mean, here's the thing about the Hobart game. Uh, I was there, I believe, in 2020 
uh, in the spring of, back before Syracuse, the season was cut short after going 5-0. and the Hobart fans travel for that game, like, big time. Yeah, so I, I mean, think you Hobart's really got to respect like an that. And that's a fun game to watch. Right. Uh, so there's going to be a great atmosphere there. Hobart, always a solid team, always gives Syracuse a little bit of a run for its money. And a team like, or a year like this, where things are down, I could see a Hobart victory. I don't know if I'd predict one like John, but I could definitely see it. I don't, I don't think that's a loss. I mean, in that game coming up this Sunday at 4 o'clock, I, I just don't see that as a loss. I, I know that Hobart is always playing Syracuse at its best. They always have tight games, but I just I, I can't see that. Now, I will say, though, Matt, and I think the beginning of this season has corroborated this this take of mine, and I know that obviously there's a whole lot of lacrosse still to be played, and they can turn it around. Um And I do know that you're still in the first year of a brand new coaching staff. The only guy that stayed on is Pat March. You bring in Petromala, who's one of the best defenders of all time in his playing day. Also a fantastic coach, formerly at Johns Hopkins. You bring in Gary Gate, who obviously had a lot of success with the women's lacrosse team. Uh, I I get all of that. So I know that there's going to be some growing pains. I know that you have a great coaching staff that is going to be able to turn it around. You're bringing in one of the best uh, recruits in program history next year with Spolina coming in. Also, just that class is so deep. You have multiple five stars. So this program is going to turn it around. However, let me say this. For the first time in a while, and I don't have this specific stat up, I probably should have looked it up beforehand, but whatever. I don't think this team is making it to the NCAA tournament. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think that's not too hot of a take. Right? But I mean, for the remainder of their season, you got a ranked Johns Hopkins, a ranked Duke, Notre Dame, Cornell, UNC, Virginia, and Notre Dame again. I mean, out of your remaining games, you only have three of them that are unranked. And we just talked about how Hobart always plays you tight. Stony Brook is not a layup. I mean, they're not as good as their women's program. Their women's team is much better than their men's. But still... And then UAlbany. UAlbany should be a win. But, like, if you win all three of those and then split, I mean, maybe steal one or two wins in the ACC, I still don't see that getting you into the NCAA tournament, especially with the Ivy League back this season. Well, if that is the case, I don't really think it's Gates' fault. Uh, And I think that next season, like you mentioned, with that recruiting class coming in, they're going to be sensational. Uh, I think everybody knew that this season was going to be a little bit of a down year coming off a really bad 2021. Uh, Just give them time, and I think Gate, March, Petromala, and even T.D. Erlen as well are going to have a really, really good team. That is number three on Fizz 5 right here with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. This is our brand new weekly podcast. If you want to go check it out, search us on SoundCloud, at Orange Fizz. Find us on Twitter, Orange Fizz, or go on our website, orangefizz.net. All right, let's go on to our number two headline of the week, Matt. And this one comes Bayheim. Jim Bayheim on the court says that he has, quote, an ironclad plan to retire. I have two thoughts when I heard this. He he was talking with Brent Axe on uh, his show on the block on ESPN Syracuse. They snipped it out. They put it on Twitter. You can go find it. We also have an article, uh, orangefizz.net. I shared my thoughts in this article. You can go read those thoughts. I'll also give them to you right now. I, you don't say you have an ironclad plan if this thing is, you know, three years away. Jim Beheim is not a dude that is planning three years ahead of time. 
this means that he's done after next season, right? Like, I, I think that's the only conclusion you can come to. Well, of course, that's speculation. But when I thought about ironclad plan, I think that it refers, I think a lot of people immediately assumed it refers to a replacement and that they knew who, they already know who they're going to pick or something like that. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think ironclad plan can mean a lot of things, whether it means they're going to make sure it doesn't get out, they're going to make sure it goes smoothly, blah, blah, blah. But it could mean in terms of his replacement. And if, it, if that's true, if that's what it's referring to, that means Syracuse is probably going to promote one of the guys within house because you don't really have an ironclad plan of a replacement if you if it's coming from elsewhere. So if that's true, you're going to see either Jerry McNamara or Adrian Autry coach this basketball team once Jay Beheim decides to hang it up. And I don't know whether or not that's next year or maybe a couple of years down the road, Jaron. Uh, but an ironclad plan, if you have one, probably means sooner rather than later. So I think it's after next season. I also think it's because this Coach K, you know, uh, retirement plan, he announced it at the beginning of the season, and Beheim said, hey, I might not do that. You know, I'm, I might just go out when I go out, which is fine. You, you know, whatever he wants to do. Uh, I think it's next season because Coach K announced his farewell tour, and Beheim was like, all right, well, number one, I probably don't want to take the spotlight away from my really close friend, Mike Krzyzewski. And then two, if I do announce right now, I'm going to be in his shadow. I mean, Coach K would absolutely be the headline and Beheim would be the opening act. Like, no one would really care that much about Beheim retiring if it was the same season. People in central think, New York would. I don't would. think nobody would care. I, I, I think that's a little bit far-fetched. People in central New York would care, but I don't think, you know, people in Beheim's Arizona... still a legend around the country. He's the number two all-time leading wins leader. I understand that. But if Bay, or if K is retiring at the same time, I don't know. I think people care I think, more about I think Mike they could have shared the spotlight. I don't think it, I don't think Beheim becomes the opening act. I, I think that... Sure, Coach K is, is, to a lot of people, the greatest coach of all time, but Jim Beheim's a legend all in himself. All right. Uh, there's another angle to this, and uh, Beheim kind of talked about it specifically on that show with with Brent Axe. He said he doesn't want to release, release the details because of recruiting problems, and he continues to tell recruits that he's coaching next year and that he's up front with them, and I believe him when he says that. However, I disagree and I kind of, I, I can find an issue when he says, I don't want to release this because of it'll impact recruits. The fact that you say that is going to impact recruits, right? I mean, if you don't want recruits to, you know, think about this, then don't mention it at all. No one That's asked true. you, no one asked you at all, like to specifically say that I don't want to talk about this because of recruiting. No one asked you to do that. Just don't even mention it, right? Because if I'm a high school kid and I'm thinking about Syracuse, I am, and he says that, it immediately makes me think, all right, he's going to be done in the next one, two, three years. So if I don't want to play for someone other than him, I'm just not even going to go there. So the fact that he brought it up, I think he's doing it in the, like he's trying to be uh, smart about it and get ahead of it but I think it's going to have the reverse effect. Only time will tell about that, but I agree with you. I think that saying anything about that is not good news for recruits. Yeah. All right, so there you go. That is our number two story right here on Fizz 5. Bones, we got to wrap it up, all right? We got one right. final headline. This is the biggest headline of the week. 
Syracuse about to head into the ACC tournament. Syracuse men's basketball, that is. Uh, they are one more regular season game against Miami. After that, it doesn't matter whether they win or lose. It doesn't matter whatever anybody else does in the next couple games in the conference because they are locked in to the 8-9 game. So they're either going to be the 8 or the 9 seed taking on Florida State, depending on their win, Syracuse's win or loss. It, it, it really doesn't matter. They're gonna, they might flip-flop the 8 or 9 seed. It, it doesn't matter. Syracuse is playing Florida State in the first round, or uh, technically it's the second round. They get a first round by of the ACC tournament. I want your thoughts, your predictions. What is Syracuse doing in this conference tournament? I think that there's a good chance if they're healthy, or at least somewhat healthy, if Simon Torrance is back, I think there's a chance they beat FSU. But if he's not, I think those chances really dwindle. Uh, and if they were at full strength, I'd give you a really confident answer that they'd beat FSU. But with so many injuries, there's just not enough depth on the team to be able to switch things up, add some spice to the lineup at any given time. Jim Beheim's going to have to ride with the five guys on the floor for the majority of the game. And that could come back to bite him and the team. Uh, I'm going to have to pick FSU. I don't think Syracuse pulls it out. And I think it's too tough of a game. They've split the season series. Syracuse got them early in the year when they were banged up. And then they came to the Dome and beat Syracuse. So I think this is a Seminoles win. Okay, so I tend to agree with you. Because when Syracuse beat them, they relied heavily on if I remember correctly, I'm actually going to look that up because I want to make sure I give you the correct information. Because when you think back to that first Florida State game, that's when Syracuse, yeah, they were just coming off the Indiana game. They had some momentum. They were coming off a really bad battle for Atlantis where they wanted to prove some people wrong. They beat Indiana in double overtime. Then they go down to Florida State. Uh, they get, yeah, okay, so I was right. They relied heavily on not Buddy Beheim, but he only had six points. So other people stepped up. I I don't have faith in other people doing that in the ACC tournament. I think this is Buddy, and he takes over and goes on a crazy run like he did last year, or nothing. Like it's it's and Buddy. Buddy's averaging twenty seven for the next couple games, or this team's done after one game. Agreed. And and the other thing is, in that win on December 4th at Florida State, which is Syracuse's second biggest win of the year, sadly, uh, the Seminoles couldn't shoot. I mean, they shot a brutal percentage from the field, from three. They just couldn't get the job done. So Yeah, 35% really, from the field, 13% from three. 13% from three. <laughs> I mean, that is terrible. So I don't really see that happening again. I think Syracuse, on a neutral floor at the Barclays Center, anything could happen. And, of course, at the end of the year, Syracuse always seems to play well when its back is against the wall. But, but you haven't seen that this year. That usually happens, you know. Well, I mean, that little win streak, I think, was, the... I think that little win streak was a little bit of a representation of that because they realized that it was, uh, it was dire. And if Jesse Edwards doesn't get hurt, I think this is an entirely different season. And we're talking about going which NCAA tournament site we're going to. But oh, yeah. that's a whole I mean, other conversation the win streak for over Georgia Tech, BC, Louisville. Hey, NC if they win State. 10 straight games and get a couple of ACC wins, it's a whole other situation. But hey, that, <laughs> those are over. I think this is a loss for SU. All right. I, I'm also given a loss to SU. And if they win, it's not going to surprise me. Like, I think this is a toss-up game. And we'll get the numbers from Vegas in, in once we get closer. But I think in, you could pick either team to be favored. I, I really don't care which team is favored. But I think this game 
if I'm like Vegas and I'm setting a line, I think it's one and a half points, two and a half points. It is a close game. It's a close margin. I will say when FSU beat SU earlier this season, they didn't have one of their best players uh, in, who was it? Uh, Malik Osborne. He was out with an injury. He's starting to work back and he is back. So the fact that he's back in Syracuse, lost to them without him one of the, I, he's their best rebounder and a big guy on the inside which obviously we know Syracuse uh, has struggled with over the past couple games without Jesse Edwards uh, I think that's a big headline to watch out for in that game uh, obviously let's just do the hypothetical we both think that FSU is a loss but if Syracuse pulls out the victory which I wouldn't be shocked by if they do they move on to play the number one seed which is going to be Duke uh I think we can both agree that's a loss, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's just no shot. And that's but all that we hold have to on. talk about. Go for if it. they do win that game, which is like a 1% chance, then it's then it's a, a, a real toss-up of how far they go after that because the rest of this tournament is chock full of teams that Syracuse either beat or came very, very close to beating. So, I mean, this team, you know, I think North Carolina, if Syracuse wins this Saturday, will be the three seed or the four seed. And uh, then there's Notre Dame, who they only lost by 10-2 at Notre Dame, who are going to be the two seed. So there's a lot of teams in this tournament that aren't very good. I think the ACC is probably having one of its worst years in recent history with a lot of bloated teams. So if they do get past Duke, which they won't, they could win the whole thing, but I doubt it. See, that's why I really thought that this team needed to get in the bottom half of that of that bracket because you knew Duke was going to be on the top side of things. They were going to, they, they, they've been locked into number one for a while now. Uh, if Syracuse was on the bottom part of that bracket, say the seven seed or even the 10 seed, they could theoretically, you could make an argument for them making a little run, maybe making it to the championship because you can hang around with the two through Five. You can play with Wake Forest. You can play with Notre Dame. You can play with UNC. You can play with Miami. Like, you can hang around with some of the top teams. And especially if Buddy gets hot, I, I could make an argument that they could beat any of those teams. However, you just can't hang with Duke. There's such a big disparity between Duke and everybody else in the ACC this season. So the fact that you're on the top half of that bracket where you're going to have to go through Duke, it's just brutal. It's it's a tough draw for Syracuse. Uh, obviously, it sucks, and it's something that they put themselves into. If they won a couple more of those easy games, you think back to Colgate that just— and I know the non-conference doesn't really matter but uh, when you're talking about ACC tournament, but it does because obviously that was a blow to their gut that kind of pushed this team down and— they it just kills momentum so i think the fact that they are in the bottom half of that bracket it really hurts it really does agreed okay there you go hey how about that matt first first fizz five of ever i i feel honored to be able to do this with you i i had a great time i'm glad that we got to rekindle our uh our orange fizz radio flame with fizz five <laughs> there you go all right fizz five will continue on every single week from now until ever eternity put it on the calendar mark it down every single friday 
we will be putting out a weekly podcast right here on Orange Fizz that highlights the five biggest headlines in Syracuse sports. Not just football, not just basketball, not just lacrosse. Whatever you want to talk about, we will be here to talk about it. Tweet at us, at Orange Fizz, if you have any of those headlines that you'd like us to discuss. Make sure you check out all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. And of course, go onto our website, orangefizz.net. We have articles of pretty much every single topic we just talked about and so much more. Orangefizz.net is the place to be. I'm Jared May. He's Matt Bonaparte. Thanks so much for tuning in to the very first Fizz 5. We'll catch you next time. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.